Let's dive in. We are finishing uh, a series today called Parables, which are a parable. It's uh, interesting. It was Jesus's subversive way uh, in the midst of... Jordan, I'm getting an echo. Like, I don't know if you can hear that. I don't know if I'm powerful hearing it, but um, it was his subversive way of telling powerful spiritual truth with these earthly symbolic stories. And it was in, a, in, in the midst of the Roman Empire where uh, the power-hungry Romans were always on the lookout for someone who was stirring up trouble and trying to claim any type of influence or authority. And Jesus would speak in these parables because they were just simple stories related to culture, but they had deep spiritual truths that were attached to them um, so that his followers could understand where he was taking them, the type of kingdom he was instituting. So we've been talking about, uh, I, I think there's something in the neighborhood of like 40 to 50 parables uh, in scripture. There might be more than that. I didn't go through and count them, but there's a lot. And uh, we're doing our fourth one today. So this is by no means exhaustive, but it is an introduction into the way that Jesus taught uh, into the mystery and the depth of our faith. So today we're going to talk about Luke 15 verses 3 through 6. It's the parable of the lost sheep. Try to take your emotions there real quick. Have you ever been lost when you were maybe a kid or younger or, or, or got separated? And, so, and you were, think about the feelings that were associated with that. Maybe the anxiousness, the, the, maybe the outright uh, fear and terror that you were experiencing, hoping your parents or the, the group that you were a part of would find you. That's the emotions of the sheep in this story. We, we are represented by that. Now, think about uh, if you were the pursuer if you have lost something that is dear to you, whether it's a person or a, or a piece of jewelry, and it, it could be levels of emotion there depending on how significant this item may, means to you. But it's a pretty great feeling when you've lost something and then you find it again. And maybe you've had to you know, do all types of, jump through all types of hoops to find this person or this item again. But imagine the emotions of, of the pursuit of the nervousness, like, am I going to find it? The, the gray, the, the unknown, and then the emotion and the rejoicing upon when you do find it. That's, we're getting into the neighborhood and the territory of this parable. So let's read this together. Luke 15, verses 3 through, three through 6. I'm going to put it on the screen today. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost, until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which is lost. It's a pretty simple, uh, short parable, but it's got deep, meaningful spiritual truth. So let's dive in that. There's two perspectives to consider in this story. There's the perspective of the man and the perspective of the sheep. And we're going to look at both. And a mentor of mine mentioned three words to me this week when it comes to relationship and community. Because the, the man and the sheep have a relationship. There's a connection there. All right? The man is symbolic of God and the sheep is symbolic of us. But there's more to it than that. But the, it is symbolic of relationship and community. And this mentor said to me, there are three words he uses to define Christ-like community. Because really... When we're imitating Jesus and we're studying who he is and what he's about, we pretty much have to take all these cultural words and practices and completely redefine them. All right, we, we have to go, we basically have to take a hammer to the way they've been defined because pre, Jesus defines pretty much everything radically different 
than common culture and, and, and humanity. So with community relationship, we have to redefine how he operates in relationship. Jesus washes away any of these shallow definitions um, that we've experienced. So the three words that Dan said to me that he uses to define this journey into relationship and into community, the first one is proximity. The man found the sheep, and the sheep was found by the man. They are in close physical proximity. All right, he didn't find him on social media. All right, he didn't Facebook friend him. He's found him, literally found him in connection. Physical proximity is critical to relationship and to Christ-like community. And the, th- the second word is availability. The man made himself available. All right, he left his other sheep. He carved out time. He carved out margin. He carved out even, you see, um, emotional energy. He was concerned about this sheep. So he made all of himself, spirit, emotion, his time, his ability, he, he made all of that available to the search for the sheep. And the sheep was available too because the sheep was not lost. The sheep, or the sheep was lost. He wasn't hiding. Right? There, there's a difference there. The sheep wanted to be found. He was lost. And so the sheep was available to be found. He wanted the master, uh, the, the man to find him. And then the third word into community, into relationship is vulnerability. The sheep was in danger. Any sheep that gets separated from the flock, pretty much any animal they get separated from its flock, is at a much higher risk, much higher danger, is extremely vulnerable. Uh, and then the man risked all the other sheep that he had. He left all of them in the wilderness. Right, that, that is not a, he didn't leave them in a pen. That is not a safe uh, place to be. So he left all the other sheep to find the one that had, was, in, uh, was vulnerable. So he was in a place of extreme vulner- vulnerability as well. Both the man and the sheep had a lot to lose in this situation. So that's community. That's relationship with others. I'm going to put them up on screen, all right, this definition. So we got physical proximity, um, which is being in, close, being in close physical proximity with each other. And then we carve out time, physical energy, and love, along with making yourself available to others. And then being vulnerable, even when the risk is high. And let me tell you what doesn't happen quickly any of those. <laughs> that does not happen quickly. You know who really struggles with all three of those? Me. All right, it takes me a long time to travel a, the journey of wanting to be and an able to be in f- close physical proximity with people and relationship, uh, making myself available, both physically and emotionally, because we've all been part of conversations before where we're physically there, but our emotions are thinking the Redskins game's on right now and I'm missing it. Or your mind is somewhere else. All right, we, and we're doing the uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you just, Carrie knows that look for me. She can see me glazing over. My mind is not available to the relationship at that moment. And then being vulnerable? Oh my gosh. No one, we, we all run from that. That's our first instinct is to not be vulnerable. Is to be is to exude power and confidence and security and to put up this facade of having all of our stuff together. We, we do not want to be vulnerable. It's not, it's not our natural reaction. So the journey into intimate community and relationship is a journey, and it will be slow, and it, it can be awkward. All right? there, there, 
Every conversation in relationship with God or with other people is not going to be filled with like rose petals and, and warmth and, and perfection. It is going to be messy and awkward and uncomfortable. Um, and their expectations will not be met. It will happen as a part of that journey. But as we learn from this parable, if we have faith, if we believe in what Jesus is saying here, it will end well. Amen. Rejoicing. We see that word playing out. Rejoicing, not just with the man and the sheep, but there are more people involved in the rejoicing. People will be inspired by our journey into relationship with other people. People are watching us. Our lives and our relationships are illustrations for the world to see. And they will be inspired by this true Christ-like community and relationship that we have. So let me zone in on the perspective. So that's the filter we're going to use. Proximity, availability, vulnerability. All right, we're going to use that fount. And now we're going to look at both perspectives of this story, the man and the sheep. Let's start with the sheep. The sheep has been found. The man came close to the sheep. And the man in this story, like I said earlier, represents God. And God can be represented by anyone who has the Holy Spirit within them. Because that is one of the gifts of the Christian faith. You're a follower of Christ. He says, my spirit will be with you always to the very end of the age. He says, with his spirit, we will do even greater things than he did. We have him within us. That is one of the mystical, mysterious claims of our faith. But if you have his spirit within you, you are representing God. When people like you, this is what Christians believe, when people like us and want to be around us, it's because they're catching a whiff and a glimpse of God's love and God's truth. And they may not name it that, but that's what we call it. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, and now every one of us is in here today because of a person. Because at some point in our life, it might have been this week and it might have been 20 years ago, someone who had the Holy Spirit within them influenced you or inspired you, moved you. And it, like Carrie said earlier in that song we sung, today is the day. There is no, it's not an accident that we are all in here together today and in, and in physical proximity with one another. So no, no matter how much faith you have, there's a re, it could be a tiny little mustard seed, or maybe you've had a ma you're, you're, you would consider yourself a seasoned Christian. No matter where you're at on your faith journey, uh, we, we can be the sheep in the story because we have been pursued or influenced or come into contact with someone who loves us and cares about us. And that is God and other people. And that is a massive step on the journey to be in close proximity with God and with, other, with, with Christians. So you've got to do all you can to be in proximity with God and his community. And his community is represented in this particular context by Restore Church. We, we believe we are an expression of his kingdom and his community. But your journey forward in faith will be directly linked to the amount of time you spend in proximity with other Christians. You can't, Christianity is not a go-it-alone faith. All right, where Jesus says where two or, three are, two or three are gathered, there I am also. Anybody who claims to be a Christian but is not in constant physical proximity with God and with other people, I would, I would venture to say, Scripture doesn't say, this, this is Aaron Thomas's opinion. All right, this is judgmental, in fact. You're not a Christian. There, I said it. All right, my judgmental moment. I think it's incredibly hard, if not impossible, to be a Christian alone. All right, sheep can't be separated from the flock and the sheep can't be separated from its master. They need to be in physical proximity together. And that's not just some restore church plug, like you need to be here more often. 
I, I don't care where it's at. Find a Christian community that you feel God has called you to be in physical proximity with. If it's here, fantastic. It's not, don't be lazy. Find a Christian community so that your physical proximity will be in constant rhythm and your journey into the kingdom will continue to go forward. And then there's availability. Do you want someone to find you? In this day and age, I wonder if we do. We really enjoy our individualism and our isolation. All right? Are you willing to put yourself out there? The sheep was lost. It was not hiding. It was available to be found. Do you hole up and hide socially and emotionally out of, who knows, insecurity, fear, but we can all get there and, and hide from that? Do you spend more time in, on social media interaction than in actual physical conversation with people? You've all seen it play out, maybe, well, maybe you have. If you're not on social media, awesome. You guys are, man, you are so free and so, so uh, unpolluted. But if you are on social media, you see the types of interactions that people have on there. They're not real. People act completely differently they, on social media than they do in real life. And they use it as a fake substitute for actual, like physical, relational availability. We hide in places like that. Do you make excuses about community? Like, I, I, I love the I'm too busy excuse. I mean, we've all used it and we've all heard it. I'm too busy for you, I can't make it because of, they fill in, everybody's got their like mental like 10 point list of, of excuses they have to get out of relationships and community and going deeper. And we, we can all think of reasons for doing that. Stop making excuses about relationships and community and God, and be available to be pursued. Keep in mind that people who pursue relationship with you are not perfect. It's only a matter of time before you will be disappointed by someone, and that includes God. God will disappoint you because his agenda is not the same as yours. He will not fit the box that you want him to fit in. He will destroy the box. He does not fit in our agenda. His agenda, his story that he wants to write with our lives is so much better than what we can even imagine as the author of our own lives. So being available uh, is something that we can learn from the sheep. Vulnerability, like I said earlier, a sheep separated from its flock is terrified and anxious and you can relate to that if you've ever been separated from someone and, and kind of been lost. Uh, it's, it's a pretty nervous feeling. Um, this type of vulnerability sets the, but that type of vulnerability sets the stage for miraculous community to occur. It's that's when God grabs you. The man picks the sheep up, puts him on his shoulders. You're carried. The sheep doesn't even have to walk home. The man carries it. So when you release yourself in full vulnerability to God and to others in community, I'll go ahead and tell you, it is absolutely terrifying. If you've never tried it, um, I recommend it, but it will freak you out to be completely vulnerable. But it's when miracles happen. It's when you experience true freedom and you're, you know, what, what we see in this story is the emotional and spiritual burden of being the God of your own life is lifted. God lifts the sheep and puts it on his shoulders. Your burdens are no longer carried by you. They are carried by God and your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's incredible freedom to 
be vulnerable with each other. And I, I, it's really important to me to be vulnerable. Um, uh, that, that it, not only with people I'm really in close relationship with, and, but pretty much anybody. People need to see you be vulnerable. That is so incredibly important. I'm going to talk about it here in a little bit. So let's talk about the man. Let's talk about the pursuer in this story. When it comes to proximity, simply making the decision to go and search and pursue relationship and community is just flat-out life-changing and courageous. All right, it's, just, it's a big deal to go search, to pursue the heart of another. Go after the hearts of others and know it's going to come with risk. It's going to come with danger. Um, part of the, one of the tenets of our faith is when you pursue the hearts of others, it's going to cost you something. It just is. God doesn't just like move all the barriers out of the way. Satan does not like it when we want to share uh, our love with other people. Right, he wants to divide and he wants to separate. It's not, it's, there's going to be risk involved going after the hearts of others. You will be attacked. We see this throughout the New Testament that those that pursue the hearts of others with unconditional love will be hated, spat upon, tortured, whipped, imprisoned, killed. That's our king. He went through all of that. And so did many of his followers. There was 12 disciples. One of them died of old age. The rest of them either committed suicide or were murdered. It will cost you something to pursue the hearts of others. It's a dangerous trail. But I find a lot of peace. I don't know, maybe I'm weird. I find a lot of peace the fact I suffer that. I'm in good company. I'm like, oh, I'm getting a, a, a small taste of what it might have been like to be Christ or, or Paul or Stephen or these, these people we see pursuing the hearts of others. It, 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 I, I find um, relief and camaraderie in the company of others who, are, who have experienced the pursuit. Pursuing close, closest with others who are lost, rejected, or lonely, or in need will cost you. Um, it's part of the journey. And uh, I just, I saw a picture on Twitter last night that shook me um, in a good way. Uh, I'm going to show you the picture here. It's a picture of 2,500 life jackets. And these are laid out in front of the British Parliament and those 2,500 life jackets represent the 2,500 refugees who have died trying to cross the seas, fleeing war into Europe. And it's just a symbolic gest gesture of the refuge refugees. And it's something that we as a community believe God has called us to pursue uh, community, to come in close physical proximity with refugees. Uh, God loves immigrants. God loves Refugees, God loves people who are lost or rejected or broken. He comes close to them, not just verbally, but physically. We go, we take risks to be in proximity with them. And when that happens, we, we, we went in May and we're going again in November. A group of us are going over to Athens to work with the refugees. Notice when you're in close physical proximity with people who, are, who have been rejected or have been treated like animals frankly, uh, what you're doing is you're restoring their humanity and their dignity. Uh, justice w is beginning to be delivered. Advocacy occurs. Awareness is spread. And this is just simply by going, by choosing to be in physical proximity with them. Um, and I'll, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something that probably scared my wife. Um, but, and there was a group of us last trip that prayed for this, and I'm praying for it again. 
I pray that God would bring us into close physical proximity with refugees who hate Americans or even want to do harm to others. Another word for that might be terrorist. I pray that that happens because I really believe my faith informs me that when you come in close physical proximity with someone and you share unconditional love, it is the only way to disarm hatred. I don't need politics or laws. We don't. That does not disarm hatred. War does not disarm hatred. There is one way, and we have one president, and his name is Jesus. And his ways disarm. And so that's what I hope that our presence, our physical proximity will disarm many of the perceptions that are out there because the, the politicians can, can do what they do in, in the media. Um, I believe our faith is subversive. We will subvert all of that with our love and our pursuit of the hearts of other people. We don't find our identity in the country we live in. We find it in the family of, of Christ and the fact that we love everybody, everybody is part of his family, and he pursues the hearts of everyone. So there is risk involved in that. It's a little scary to think about. Put yourself in that situation. But it, it, it's the gospel, and it's the way God moves in the hearts of others. And that's part of being the pursuer, part of being the man. And then there's availability, and as the pursuer, you have to carve out margin to pursue relationships and community with God and with others. Uh, the too busy line that we use is ridiculous. It's, it's a perceived facade that, we need, that needs to be crushed and left behind. Uh, God gave us 24 hours a day. That's enough. All right, he didn't screw that up. We're screwing it up. We're not using those hours wisely if we're thinking we're too busy to pursue the hearts uh, of others. And I'm preaching to myself here. All right, this isn't me preaching. You know, I'm, pre I'm like, I suck at creating margin and availability to pursue the hearts of others. But it's part of um, being the pursuer is being the person who will break the ice uh, in, in relationship. Um, I jumped ahead a little bit there. But um, commitments, um, we, we commit our time and our emotional energy uh, and our availability to, to stuff. And what you've got to ask yourself is, are these commitments, the, the, the stuff that I'm making myself available to, is it bringing joy to me and to others? Is it bringing intimate community to God and to others? Uh, a big part of that is learning how to say no. Just figuring out, how do I say no? Just like, no, I can't. It is so hard Amen. to do that. Um, and like I said, I, I'm, it's kind of like, this is like, ooh, very convicting for me. And then vulnerability uh, is a part of being the pursuer. I saw this, a friend of mine, Wes, shared this video on Facebook. This is one of the good things on Facebook that was shared. Very few and far between lately. But I'll show you this screenshot of this video uh, of this man. I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, he's, he's got a shirt on that says free hugs on the front. And he's been doing this for the last three years. He's, he goes into volatile situations and he just starts hugging people. All right, he, there's, there's usually like an us versus them situation going on, and he steps out into the middle and just starts hugging the other side, like back and forth between the two sides. And he just starts like emotionally and spiritually bringing the walls down between people. Free hugs. And he did this in Charlotte a couple nights ago with all the protests over the continual acts of, you know, injustice and racism that are still prevalent in our country. And he just stepped across the, the very physical lines of divide 
and he hugged a police officer. And the police officer stepped out from amongst his crew and hugged him back. And they shared a moment together. And it wasn't all like warm and fuzzy for everybody who watched. It got volatile. All right, emotions started spilling out of, why are you doing that? But that happens. When you make yourself vulnerable as the pursuer, it's, it's dangerous. But someone has got to break the ice for it to go deeper into relationship with God and with other people. Someone's got to break the ice of the surface of the divide to go deep into connection and to go into the gray area. All right, the, 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 the systemic racism that is still occurring in our country, there is no easy black and white fix. All right, there, there's no like three points of action that, oh, that'll solve the problem. It is a massive level, an area of grayness. But what it takes is people who will pursue the hearts of the divide, who will venture into unknown territory. That's what vulnerability is. There is a huge amount of risk involved. And Jesus reminds us, though, we don't know necessarily how it's going to play out when we, the pursuer, put ourselves into vulnerable situations, but we have faith that it will end in rejoicing. We have faith that people, like God, each other, will rejoice when they see these things happening. Uh, and today we get to celebrate a little bit with some real communion, some actual food, some drinks at our new space, the living room. Um, we're going to celebrate with one of the many acts of vulnerability, and that's baptism. Um, if you think about baptism, it's one of those movements that people can see that is very vulnerable for the person who is being baptized. But it's one of the, the sacred, uh, vulnerable moments of our faith to move into relationship with God and to say physically, I want to be close with him for the rest of my life. He is my king. He is my Lord. I want to walk the journey with him from this point forward. So if you've never experienced baptism, if you've never chosen yourself to be baptized, you have an opportunity to do that today. Um, and I hope you, if, if there's a seed there that's moving, you have questions about it, like what's going to happen? Uh, come talk to me afterwards or come... Uh, I'll, I'll be hanging out and I'll tell you what we got. Uh, I'm getting in with my clothes on, all right? We have extra clothes. We have lots of towels. We have restored T-shirts and we have food. If that's something you can feel God moving and that's a decision that um, is sparking something, come talk to me afterwards because it's something we'd definitely like you to consider. Um, and I'll tell you what, the more, the more that we... Uh, as, as the pursuer or even as the receiver of vulnerability. The more we do that and get involved in those vulnerable situations, not only the, you know, the deeper we will go, but we'll have the ability and the confidence, this growing confidence to step further and be even more vulnerable and take even more risks to share the love and to receive the love of Christ from God and with others. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for these... Uh